Ann Ortley's Weekly Weather, a little late. Um, we have a lot of excitement going on here in Ann Ortley's house. Um, so first up, I'm going in for surgery Thursday morning. As I mentioned a couple times, we've been looking at uh, a uterine fibroid, nine, you know, 30 years old, diagnosed in 94. So with Saturn on my moon, it started to bleed, or I thought it was the fibroid. It wasn't the fibroid. It's other adventures going on with my female parts. So I'm going to be having um, surgery uh, Thursday morning here in New York. And I would totally appreciate your prayers. Um, I am a real firm believer in the power of prayer. And they are going to perform a hysterectomy and take out my ovaries. Taking out, as my aunt used to say, they're taking out the baby carriage and they're leaving in the playpen. But I'm a little nervous. You know, Virgo girls really don't like this stuff. And there is some suspicion about some of the parts. Some of them are looking a little crooked. Some of them are fine. Some of them are, we don't know yet. But, yeah, so please, clear and clean, uh, say prayers for me. And that is my request of you as my listener, which also means I'm going, because of the size of my uterus, apparently it's a six-month-old baby, <laughs> they can't take it out using um, laparoscopic surgery. So I'm going to have a traditional, uh, the old-fashioned kind of hysterectomy, ovarectomy, and whatever the fallopian tubes are. They're all going. Everything is going. But that means I will be in the hospital for four to seven days, which also means I might not do the podcast next week, depending on how I'm doing. And also, obviously, it's a little late today because it's happening Tuesday. It's the weekly weather, but not always on Sunday. Um, so we will uh, be back, hopefully. Hopefully it'll be here Sunday or next week when I get out of the hospital. Uh, but also, please say prayers for me Thursday morning here in New York City, wherever you are. Send Reiki, send healing prayers, send love. We totally love all of it. And uh, I appreciate all of you as listeners. And uh, hopefully we'll get, you know, it, was, it looked like one adventure, you know. And then the Neptune on my, the eclipse on my Neptune was like, oh, it's not that? And then the eclipse on my Venus Saturn in Scorpio at 5, which was on my Venus at 4 and my Saturn at 6, my chart's public. It's a good example of surprise, surprise. So off we go. And, uh, yeah, so I'll be losing my uterus that's the size of a six-month-old child. So it's going to be a little thinner the next time you see me, too. And I am taking bets on how much it weighs. So if you want to be part of the kitty, you know, mail in a bet. And have a good one, and appreciate your prayers and thoughts. Now, on with the show. All right. The eclipses are here. The eclipses are here. And they're leaving, thank heavens. They're on their way out. Uh, this is Anne Ortley's weekly weather for November 29th to November 5th. Uh, Spick is on the south node, ending and changing relationships. Saturn stations direct. And there is a lovely kite in the sky with our girlfriend Venus. Um, so we, we have that to look forward to. Interesting week ahead. F forward we go. Let me turn on my little pointer here um, so we can see stuff. There we go. All right. So here we have the end of the week. Uh, and then, of course, next month, November. Um, so we're getting as far as the Saturn station on Sunday, November uh, fourth, and then we have the rest of November ahead of us. 
All right, so as the eclipses leaving, leave, we're going from a waning, a full moon, which happened, into a waning moon releasing and setting out things and sending them off. So it's a letting go energy. I'm letting go of body parts. Um, whatever you letting go of. Everybody's letting go of something. So we have the energy of awareness and consciousness and figuring things out. And so we have Mercury joining Mars, which happened on Sunday. It's the aha moment. We have figured out what's going on. And it's the day after the full moon eclipse. So, of course, this weekend we had, I mean, because this is Tuesday that I'm podcasting this, this weekend was pretty violent. Uh, The shooter in Maine. There were quite a lot of shootings all over the country and, of course, in Israel and, of course, in Ukraine. And, you know, it just was like violence reigning. And, of course, all the astrologers, you know, coming into this patch were like, oh, those eclipses in the fall are going to be hard. They're going to be big. They're going to be hard. And we had Matthew Perry drowned in his bathtub, his hot tub, um, which was, I think, a little shocking for folks. But if you look at his chart, he has a Neptune... uh, Pisces ruling the 8th house, which of course is, could have died of a drug overdose, which he had a, quite a history of. But he also was in that hot tub. And um, I was one time I was at a wedding in Santa Fe, and what happens when you're in hot tubs, your blood vessels get thicker to allow you to process the heat, which means when you stand up, you can be dizzy. And we were at this party, this wedding in San, Santa Fe. It was a destination wedding, and there were about 20 of us in the hot tub. And Connie's husband stood up and went down like a stone into the hot tub. I mean, he just blacked out. And we, we all pulled him out of the tub. And, a, you know, a couple minutes later, he came too. But hot tubs are dangerous. I mean, they're not dangerous. Like, my condo has a hot tub that says 20 minutes, and then it turns itself off, and you got to get out of the tub. But if you've got your own, and you can just sit in it for hours, it can make you really dizzy. So I um, really loved him as an actor. But also that was kind of shocking for all of us. Like, wow, off he went. Uh, and he was having um, Saturn at the edge of his eighth house in Pisces. So blessings to Matthew Perry on his journey. But also a warning about hot tubs, which most people don't think about. That's that sun in Scorpio, right? It's hot and it's water, hot water. It's quite literal. The eclipses are, eclipses are wild. So anyway, Mercury joins Mars on, on Sunday. And we're kind of working with that energy, kind of sudden, unexpected action. And, of course, they're all opposite the Jupiter here. Uh, And this energy is big, you know, big energy. And, of course, um, when we think about, you know, the TV show that he was on, that's certainly Friends. But that also speaks a bit to um, kind of us understanding and, you know, kind of appreciating the suddenness of change and how change really shifts. Uh, Next up, we have Venus trine Uranus, and that happens on Tuesday. And so Venus, of course, is the goddess of Virgo. She's the goddess of love and getting things done. Now, what she's in the process of doing as she trines Uranus here is she's going to move into an opposition to Neptune towards the end of the week, and then she's going to trine Pluto. That is going to form a, a big old thing called a kite. So it's a grand trine in Earth, which is solid, reliable, and dependable. And it's opposite Neptune, right, which is the apex of the kite. So if you can imagine the grand trine in Earth, three Earth planets trining each other, shooting the energy out towards Neptune and Pisces. Makes it emotional, makes it informative, makes it transformative. So there's an energy of this kite forming towards the back end of the week. Now remember, Venus is in Virgo now. So she is talking to Mercury 
is her boss and Mercury is in Scorpio so he reports into Mars and Mars is the boss of Mars right so Mars rules Venus we come over to Jupiter and Uranus they're in Taurus and they report then into Venus report into Mercury report into Mars so Mars rules Jupiter and uh, Uranus we look at Aries of course Mars rules Aries we look at Pluto he's answering to Saturn and whether you go Saturn to Neptune, Neptune is his own boss, that's fine. But Saturn also can go to Jupiter, meaning he's going to report into Mars through that little chain we just diagnosed. So it's a very intense energy in the sky because Mars and Scorpio, which is in his rulership, is in charge of the whole heavens. So it's intense and very passionate. He also rules, you know, the Libra and the South Node, answer to Venus. Okay, then they all get back to Mars. Sun in Scorpio answers to Mars, Mars answers to Mars. So we always look for who's the second count. So right now the whole heavens, Moon in Gemini, reports to Mercury, reports to Mars, Mars reports to Mars. So the whole heavens is full of, full of water, fiery, passionate, intense Martian energy. And Mars in Scorpio is a good Mars if you're using it for good. It's, it's a tough Mars if you're using it for evil, um, but it also has an energy of awakening. And we look over here, we see the earth and fire. There is, there is no fire in the sky. None, not a, not a bit. All water and earth. Which means we can get things done, but it also means we really feel them on a physical level. Right? The physical level is very, very important. So we're going to be really feeling the passionate energy of this intensity as this goes forward. Um, then we go a little bit later in the week, we get to Vesta stationing to go retrograde. And our girl Vesta's stopping at 6 Cancer. Uh, and she stations, um, and she of course is in the sign of the moon. Uh, cancer is the moon, answering to the moon. Now the moon is out of bounds in Gemini and Cancer this week, which means it can be really good, home run over the fence, or it can be a little bad, you know, um, out of bounds, hit somebody in the head in the stands, blood and guts. So we know that moon is very potent and it rules Vesta as she stops. And she stations to go backwards, which means you've, re you've worked on revising your home. We're going to be revising things. Vesta is revising our bodies because Vesta is the body we live in. I'm having surgery that day. Um, it, I'll be actually awake from surgery at that point. Um, Vesta is your work office. This is a really good aspect for layoffs in the office or new hires if you're up for a couple of jobs. I have a couple of people that are hanging, waiting for new jobs coming in. So that Vesta promises we're going to shift your relationship to home, hearth, and how it works. And we're going to make it comfortable and it's going to answer to an out-of-bounds moon. Again, very strong. Again, still notice there is no fire and no air in the heavens at all all about feeling. I mean, the only asteroid in the heavens that's in air is uh, Athena. Everything else is fire. There's no fire anywhere. Just the, you know, Eris, the goddess of discord in the node. I mean, that's why everybody's arguing, but there's no fire. No planets in fire. All fire, all, or all water rather, and a little, little, little bit of earth. So again, a very physical energy. You can start to see the kite coming into form and you also there's a big mystic rectangle in the heavens too. Mystic rectangles made of earth and water which is a lot about creating things in the world. So people with earth and water mystic rectangles, Mother Teresa, Prince, uh, Aretha Franklin, J. Edgar Hoover, 
uh, Richard Branson, they all made things. You know, FBI, Hoover made the FBI, Prince, all those musics, Aretha, a new kind of music, Mother Teresa, her charities. Um, so we have this energy of creation that's very much part of this eclipse energy. Even as we're working with the releases that are taking place in our life. And, you know, the analogy I'll use with this kind of stuff is we're clearing the soil. We're, you know, when you pull a weed, you have the dirt sitting there. And then those little seeds start to pop up. You know, it doesn't stay dirt for long, but it's we're in the clearing it out. We're clearing things out for healing. Of course, it's water, so it's got a lot of flow to it. A lot of emotions with this energy this week, too, where people are really going to feel their emotions up and rolling. So you want to kind of be, all right, all right, we're feeling the emotions, we're feeling the emotions, we're ready to roll. Next up, we have the sun. On Friday, we have the sun opposite Jupiter. That's generally a nice aspect. It happens annually, and the sun is in Scorpio, answering to Mars. In Scorpio, Jupiter is in Taurus answering to Venus in Virgo, who answers ultimately to Mars. So they're really, even though they're in different signs, they're working together. And we can see the mystic rectangle really showing up uh, in, in form in the sky. And we also can understand and appreciate that energy as the kite starts to form too. And the kite, as I mentioned before, is Venus in Virgo, trining Uranus in Taurus, trining Pluto in Capricorn next week, like Monday, Tuesday opposite Neptune. So this is a juicy, productive, get stuff accomplished energy. It is an opposition, so it is big, generally a little bigger than you thought it was going to be, but also important to pay attention to. Additionally, Mars is on a world point in Scorpio. Um, so he is going to bring things to the public and make you aware of them. Next up, Neptune is, Venus is opposite Neptune. That happens on Friday, too, around 6 o'clock. And as Venus is opposite Neptune, they're having a chat, and they're communicating about things and um, forming that kite and encouraging things to happen and go forward. Quite a lot of quintiles in the chart, too. When we have a lot of splay energy like this where planets are all over the place, it activates kind of a forward motion and also a harvesting of good things. So kind of watch for that energy. We still have that little minor grand trine. The sun's moving out of it, just about to leave it. But we've had a minor grand trine in water this week with Saturn and Vesta and the sun. So the sun's kind of escaping that minor grand trine. Again, adding into that feel of earth and water. And again, you can see down here in the bottom right, the uh, earth bar, the water bar, no air, no fire. Again, it's feeling, it's getting things done, it's moving forward, it's emotional. Here's a picture of the kite uh, set up so you can really see it. And it basically kites are grand trines with another planet opposite one of the ends of the kite, one of the three points. And it looks like a kite. What happens when we have kites is it flies towards this Neptune, flies towards the apex of the kite. Think about how kites fly in the sky. If you have never flown a kite, go watch Mary Poppins and you can see them flying. That's on Friday, the kite happens. Then on Saturday, Mercury is opposite Uranus. A little bit of unexpected news, a little shocking perhaps, a little aha, that's what's going on. And also Ceres is there too. So there's an energy of how do we connect, how do we create, how do we work with stuff, and what are we doing? So there's a nice energy there as Saturn is stopping. Now remember, when a planet stops, 
it stops for a few days uh, at the degree. So in the case of Mercury, like three. In the case of Saturn, it'll stop for like five days. So even though it's stationing on Sunday, we're going to really feel it on Saturday. It's going to feel very like things are moving, but they're moving really slowly as Saturn stations to get to go direct and start a new chapter. Next up on Sunday, we have Saturn stationing to go direct. And then he will be direct and he will fly. Once he gets his game on, he's going to go 90 miles an hour heading towards, um, heading towards his, you know, forward, full steam ahead. Like it's like he was in March when he was entering early Pisces. So, he, but we also were back to March in terms of our thinking about things, in terms of what we're working on. And it felt like we started stuff and then we got a bit of a false start or we started it. But now is when we really start it because now we're really changing the direction and encouraging it to go forward. So if you started something in March and it felt like it kind of fell apart in the summer, it did, because that's when Saturn started to go backwards. And now he's going backwards, then going backwards, and now he's ready to go forward again. He's like, all right, I got everything figured out. I know what I'm doing now. And remember, Saturn is our reality. So as he shifts and goes forward, we're really going to feel a bit of a movement, a bit of a shift, a bit of a change that invites us to make this change and shift in a new way. So it's it's a really good, solid energy um, this week in terms of stuff. And it is the eclipses leaving. As they wane, they kind of go a little bit away. They release, they release, they release. And that's all kind of part of the deal. So the letting go energy is very, very strong. And... Um, you want to kind of be like, all right, we're letting go of things and, and hold it gently. You know, the theme that I keep hearing is like, just trust the process, go with the flow, do what you need to do. Don't worry about it. Show up, push it along, push it along. You can't push the river, but you can float in the river. Don't fight the current. Kind of go with the flow and be like, all right, I'm going with the flow. I'm going to trust that it's carrying me where it's supposed to. And that's the energy for the week. It's It's not nearly as dramatic as the last... Um, couple weeks have been because we're starting to get our ground, starting to get our footing. And, you know, with the eclipse popping on Saturday, kind of popped the energy, made everything very real, very true, very seen. And so that's helpful. Um, and so now we have to deal with the aftermath and we have to go, oh, that's what's going on? Huh. Well, let's take care of it. And that's your job this week. Take care of business. Do get the stuff done. It's going to be fine. It's a big shift and change, but a necessary, necessary one. And it also encourages us to think about the bigger picture of our life, you know, and where we're going. And more importantly, what we're doing. Um, when we go forward here, um, the week this week, uh, the sun is going from 6 Scorpio to 10 Scorpio. And, of course, he has that trine to Juno. Um, he has a couple health aspects on the second with the Quinticelli to Eris and the North Node of Fate in terms of shifting in direction a little bit of, okay, we got to get this finished. Mercury this week runs from 11 Scorpio to 22 Scorpio with his union with Mars at the beginning of the week. And then he is going about two degrees a day. Um, so that's pretty good, De degree and a half a day, really, and is in, in full-on full mode. He also meets up with Ceres this week, and he has uh, the opposition with Uranus, which is kind of the surprising part. So that's going to be at 21 Taurus, so if you have planets at 21, it's kind of activating that. 
And what that will be is next March, I'm sorry, next April, Uranus and Jupiter are going to meet at that. So the stuff that happens this week, you'll be putting stuff in place next April. Um, then we have the uh, Venus this week going from 19 to 26, Virgo. And she's busy. She's got an aspect with the nodes of fate on the 3rd. She is in a, a little bit of an argument with Neptune, with the opposition, but she also is seeing things clearly, and there's kind of an aha moment about how this all works. Plus, she has that trying to Uranus. She's forming the kite. She's in Virgo with a solid ruler of Scorpio. Um, so she's impassioned. She's intense. She's on it. And then Mars this week, very slow, but he is on a world point at the beginning of the week. He's got a health aspect on the 3rd with Sedna. A little bit too much flow, frankly. Jupiter, quiet, quiet, hanging out at 10 uh, cap, or 10 Taurus, moving retrograde. Saturn stationing direct, that's always a big deal because he kind of directs new changes in our being. And Uranus is quincunx Athena, encouraging us in taking action. Athena, of course, is on a world point, so we're making some new strategies. Uh, Vesta, of course, we talked about as stationing to go retrograde, and she'll be retrograde until Pisces time when we get to the next water sign. The moons this week are nice for the most part. They're pretty big in terms of getting things accomplished and done. So we have the moon uh, the first couple days of the week in October, which are already over. Uh, <laughs> so, because this is, this is late. It was in Taurus on Monday and Tuesday. And then Tuesday around 11.08, it went into Gemini. And, it's in, and it went void in Taurus with a nice trine to Pluto. Um, <clears throat> it's going into Gemini on the 30th, and it will be, or Monday the 30th, it'll be in Gemini uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, going void around 8.30 in the morning, and heading into Leo, or heading into Cancer at 5.30. So the 1st of November, the moon is void all day, pretty much all day. And that's All Saints Day and the Celtic New Year, Samhain, halfway through the, Chris, halfway through the cross of fall to winter so there's an energy here of encouraging us to make some choices and to honor our dead and talk to them uh and of course i was out today running around getting ready for surgery and <clears throat> had to do some tests and stuff and there were all these little trick-or-treaters and then you know you know and one of the nice parts about new york is all the stores have candy so the treat, you know, I was, I stopped by to get my nails, my feet done, not, not putting on polish, but taking it off because no polish during surgery. And all the little treat, trick or treaters came in as I was getting my pedicure. Uh, so it was very nice to see Halloween is here. Uh, so, and, and there was one little guy, he was a car, <laughs> came in with a cowboy hat and he had like a car around him. And, I mean, he was just adorable. He was probably about four. So, uh, yeah, very cute little person. All right, so then the moon goes into Cancer on the 1st uh, at 5.30. And then it's in Cancer on Tuesday, on Wednesday, going void at 11.28 Wednesday night with an opposition to Pluto. Uh, and so that's a separating energy, um, and it's fertile and abundant, and it's also letting go. You know, it's let goes of let's go of things. Then the moon goes; it's void on Sunday, Friday night, and then on Saturday, <clears throat> it enters into Leo around 3:20 in the morning. It'll be in Leo on Saturday the fourth, Sunday the fifth, 
Monday the 6th, going void at 2.25 a.m. And then it enters into Virgo at 2.39 p.m. on Monday the 6th. So it goes void. The Leo moon goes void uh, with a square to Mercury. Uh, di different news, unexpected news. And we also have the closing quarter uh, on Sunday with the moon in Leo and the sun in Scorpio, which takes us back to Scorpio time um, in 2021. So think about what was going on on uh, November 5th of 2021 when there was the new moon, and this is the closing quarter for that. Um, so it helps you kind of process and release. So that is the energy of the moons. Nice moons, the difficult ones this week. Uh, probably Saturday is a, a nastier little version of the moon. And Sunday has a lot of squares, but early in the week, um, not too bad. So there's a process here of, you know, how we're, how we're getting there. Um, so that's the energy of those moons. And off we go. All right. So talk about the week, events of the week. I did Matthew Perry up front because I had put him. I put this together, and then just the week got away from me. Uh, so uh, we had Mike Perry elected as the Speaker of the House, or Mike Johnson rather, not Mike Perry. That's Matthew Perry, Mike Johnson. That's a very bad merging of their energies. Okay. So here he is, our new Speaker, um, who is a religious fundamentalist. Uh, and nobody knew who he was, kind of a compromised character here. So when we're looking at him and going, oh, okay, what, who are you? Now, the thing that's interesting, this is where astrology is good and bad. Sometimes you look at stuff and you go, uh-oh, which is kind of what I did with old Mike's chart here. Um, so let's look at Mike. And I don't have a birth time, but I do have a day, January 30th, 1972, in Shreveport, Louisiana. So our guy was born on an eclipse. Of course, he was elevated to the speakership on an eclipse. This is where eclipses are powerful. Eclipse means to take out. Eclipin means to leave. But it also means to rise up. So a lot of times people go, the eclipses are coming. The eclipses are coming. I'm sure Mike thinks this is a pretty good deal. He got the speakership. He rose up from obscurity, and that is one of the things that speakers do. I mean, I remember being at an astrology conference that they scheduled on an eclipse. Why, I will never know. But it blew out the leadership of the, the organization. They all, like, quit. This is the same kind of thing. We, we saw the dance and running around for the speaker, and our boy Mike is here. He's an Aquarian. He is a full moon baby. Uh, the moon is past the sun, so the opposition energy, and of course Saturn and Sun in Aquarius. Now, I, this is where I like traditional rulers. It comes over here and it answers to his Saturn in, Cap, in Taurus. His Saturn in Taurus, notice it's stopped. See the little S there? Yeah, he's born with a stopped Saturn, stationing to turn direct. And he incarnates with this Saturn at the very anoretic, the very last degree of Taurus, which does tend to make one a little stubborn. If you know Tauruses, they can be stubborn. The ones that are born at the end of Taurus, really stubborn. In his case, he's an Aquarian with the ruler at the end of Taurus, making him stubborn. Now, also affable. If we go with the Aquarius, it's trying the Uranus. 
he's not a bad guy. He's friendly. He's communicative. He's nice. And Uranus answers to Venus and Pisces, right? And she's in her, her exaltation. How, how bad could it be? But we do see that his son, his Saturn here, is quincunx, is Jupiter, also at an anoretic degree, in Sagittarius. And we all know Sagittarius's can be a little dogmatic on a bad day. So we're seeing that. We also see this big mystic rectangle that's going to be in that chart regardless of where he is. And that mystic rectangle is pretty potent. Uh, and so we know that that's in there. It's a fire and air mystic rectangle, which gives him a little bit of a dogmatic belief. You know, pre he's a preacher. Preacher, you know, Oprah's a preacher. Jane Fonda's a preacher. Carol King's a preacher. Oh, Bill Clinton was a preacher. They all had fire and air mystic rectangles. He's a preacher. And we know he's an Aquarian preacher, answering to Saturn in a very solid degree. Now, Saturn, of course, in Taurus stopped comes over to the Venus and Pisces. So even if you give him a really good reason why he should change his argument, he's not gonna. He's gonna go, yeah, I know you want me to do that, but I'm not gonna do it. Sorry. And his Saturn here trines the very smart Mercury in Capricorn. Again, that's a hard trine, man. That's a very tight trine. So he's clever. Very clever. I hate it when the mean guys are clever because I'm like, oh, uh, this is a smart one. Because um, they're a little more, you know, when they when they decide to do it, they're a little more, they're a little more. Uh, they, they can kind of push the line, right? But it also makes his belief systems pretty dogmatic, pretty fixed, and he's very clear about them. So that's the other part. He's, you know, he's not going to compromise what he believes are his principles for um, the world. You know, he's, you know, he's going to go that way. Now, the other part, of course, is he's a creationist, dogmatist. You know, the world's been around 6,000 years. Dinosaurs were on Noah's Ark. Um, I don't know what happened to them, but they, I guess they didn't get off the boat. At any rate, um, he's a smart guy. He's born on an eclipse. He came in on an eclipse. So if he's going out, he's going to go out next spring on the eclipses. So we'll see what happens. He also has a very, very strong Mars. His Mars is in Aries. He's a warrior. His Venus is in her exaltation, even though she reports to Jupiter. His Jupiter is in his rulership. Very strong Jupiter. Pluto in Libra. Good Pluto. The thing we like is his sun is in Aquarius, so he does... This is the part I like. The sun is in Aquarius, so he does not listen when someone contradicts him. And we all know those Aquarian types, and I can be like that myself. Um... <laughs> with the sun talking to Neptune. And I remember having a huge fight back when I was running a house. There was a difficult woman in the house, and she was on our week, my weekend. And she nagged all the time that, you know, we, we were the cooking weekend, and the weekend after, the other weekend was the party weekend. So we would buy beer, and we would come out, and they would have drunk our beer, because we would leave it behind in the refrigerator. We would leave our stuff behind. And they would drink it. And they didn't replace it because they were the party weekend, right? So I'm going out there. My aunt and her friend had come to visit. We're there. Richie's there. He runs the other weekend. He's like, Ann, I have to talk to you. I'm like, okay. He said, you hid the beer. Because this woman was driving me so frigging crazy. I hid the beer. I said, well, what do you want me to do about the beer? Hide it. I'm like, all right, well, hide the beer. So we hid the beer in my closet in the house <laughs> at her bequest. 
because she was driving me crazy and I just was like, fine, I'm done. I can't deal with this anymore. So one of the guys on our weekend, David Scully, went out on Richie's weekend because you could swap weekends. And, and so they all get out to the house and they're like, wow, there's no beer here. I can't believe there's no beer here. And, and <laughs> David Scully goes, Anne hid the beer. He was from Britain. They're like, Anne hid the beer? Anne hid the beer. It's in her closet. <laughs> so they all went upstairs and there was the beer in my closet. Well, when I came out that week, because we could go during the week, everybody could go. Richie starts a big fight with me about the beer. And I explained to him how difficult this woman is, and she's just really difficult, and I just gave in. And he's going on about the house, and we're all supposed to share things and all that. I'm like, I'm totally in agreement. I agree with you, we're all supposed to share things. It's totally true. And, and we're arguing, you know, probably a half an hour. My aunt wants to go to dinner. And he's like, well, good. And I said, I'd still hide the beer. Like, we can have this great conversation, but I would still hide the beer again because that woman is so difficult, I am not, not hiding the beer. That is what Aquarius does, and I'm only Aquarius rising. So this guy doesn't listen very well when he has an opinion about how it's supposed to be. And we have seen some clips about that, and that's okay. But that is who our Mike is. So... With that in mind, then we go look at his Chinese astrology. Yeah, he is the born, we don't have the time. He's born in the year of the metal pig. He is born in the month of the metal ox. And he is born in the day of the metal monkey. Now think about it. Remember Animal Farm? Pigs are the really smart ones. So he's a really smart pig. Oxes are stubborn you know, it's, <laughs> you know, the Taurus, you know, it's another way they call it in, in Chinese astrology, they call it an ox. But they harness and they plow and they get stuff done, but they're also very stubborn. And monkeys are smart. Metal, not an easy energy, because metal is, you know, one of the five, Chinese astrology has five elements. And fire is the only way we get rid of metal. And snakes are the enemies of pigs. So we need to find a good fire snake who will take him out. We'll watch for them. I haven't seen one yet. I went looking for it during the course of this, you know, this new arrival of Mike. And then I was like, oh, he's not there. Um, what are we going to do about him? Ah, metal pig, metal ox, metal monkey. Metal is, you know, that was an invention. And metal is pretty important in our culture. Imagine we wouldn't have skyscrapers. We wouldn't have axes. We wouldn't have any of that stuff but for metal. Um, he got elected to the house. We had a time for it uh, when they all stood around him and then that mean old lady from one of the southern states yelled, shut up, we don't want to talk about it. He was elected in the day of Mercury and the hour of Mercury, so it's important to look at what Mercury is doing. Mercury is in Scorpio on the midpoint of the Sun and the Mars. So he is a fighter. He also has Saturn in the opposite, opposite the part of imprisonment. We do have Uranus on the part of fatality. Uh, so that's a little helpful because Uranus is going to be re-aspected next spring. So that may be when he goes out, when Uranus gets back to 2140. I'm not saying he's going to die, but he gets killed off as Speaker of the House. Uh, and also the Vesta on the husbandry, the real, and also Athena is a smart guy. That pals Athena on the south node in terms of organizing things and getting stuff done. He also does have Jupiter on Sisyphus, so he is willing to roll that rock up the hill and down the hill and up the hill and down the hill um, in his natal chart, but also there is a Sisyphean energy to him being the speaker. 
of the house, and uh, so we'll see what happens with him. Um, I'm not I'm not liking his chart, but that's because my politics are liberal. I'm sure people that like his politics would really like him. And you can also see Pluto on the ascendant there in the time of it being elected. So there's like the power. He's got the power. Now we'll see how he uses it because he is an Aquarian and they're a little different as leaders. They're not they don't normally follow the traditional leadership role. So we'll see what his how he wields his power. And uh, we'll go from there. He also has that moon Neptune. So we're definitely going to hear a lot of religious stuff. That moon in Pisces joined to Neptune there in Pisces in the election chart. This is his chart receiving the speakership. And remember I showed you last week where it was going to shift and they were going to get out of that Mercury and Aries where they were all fighting and they were going to go to Mercury and Taurus. So we see here, and again, we don't have a time for him, but I, this is why I like solar charts, because a lot of times they do work. We see Uranus on the Ascendant on his pal Athena, which is a smart one. I mean, he was the one that led, uh, he, he's the one that did an amicus brief, like I'm hanging out on the side, but I'm helping, I'm giving you ideas, to the Texas case that wanted to um, overthrow four of the battleground states' elections. They had no standing as far as the Supreme Court was concerned, so it got dismissed, but he was one of the guys. And he voted against the election, and he's an election denier. Um, so how well he's going to run the elections, if he's still in power, and he may go out next April. You know, that would be my hope with Uranus coming back over that point. But we see he's... Um, over here with Mercury and Mars in the 7th, or at the edge of the 7th, getting elected into power. We also see his progressed sun has left Aquarius, it's now in Aries. So that makes his Mars very strong, and his Mars is now in Taurus here, coming forward to the Saturn. Right? So his progressed Mars in Taurus. Natal Mars is in Aries, fights behind the scenes in the solar chart. Again, we don't have a time, but we do know that he's here. And the note of fate is going to go over that Mars next spring with the, eclipse, the eclipses that happen in the spring. So he came in on an eclipse. He could leave on the next eclipse, but he also could stay because he's a smart little guy. Uh, smart, one of the, you know, when they're, when they're smart, and, and they're dark, I always am like, oh my goodness, you know. I remember looking uh, back when the Abu Jurab stuff came out, when they were torturing uh, people, with that guy with the hood on, having his testicles electrocuted, remember that one? And, um, and I looked at the guy who'd written the memo explaining why the CIA could do it. And I looked at his chart, and he had a chart like that. Like, like I, can, I can justify the ends. I can take any means I need to justify the ends. That's why uh, Mike makes me a little nervous. On a light note, I think you're going to like this. His wife. Here we go. Here's his wife. Uh, she's Kelly Johnson and she offers a counseling service which work is based largely on the Hippocratic view, Hippocrates view that there are four temperaments. <laughs> so when I read this, I'm like, Oh, they're into astrology, and they don't even know it. So here's Kelly. Uh, the Fort Hippocrates was a famous, you know, he's a famous physician, but he also, the Hippocratic Oath, remember, do no harm. But he also had a theory, and he said, or he was alleged to have sent, I remember Demetra George saying, he didn't say that. I said, people always say he said it. She goes, he didn't say that. But he is alleged to have said, if you were a bad astrologer, you were a bad uh, doctor. 
because back in the old days they used astrology and the Catholic Church said get rid of astrology for predictive, keep it for uh, agriculture and keep it for medical because you would cast a chart when someone got sick and took to their bed and you would look at that chart to see what was going on. But Hippocrates, these are, these are, these are astrologies, melancholic, melancholy, choleric, sanguine, supine, and phlegmatic. These are the five types. There's a great book by Dorian Greenbaum. I believe it's Greenbaum. She wrote it a while back on all the different, the temperaments. So I was kind of like, hey, Kelly's teaching astrology with her counseling because it's the Bible's way of, um, it's, it's based on the Bible, right? And I don't know if Hippocrates was, was a Bible guy, but the Hippocratic posture and the four temperaments is astrology. So I was, I was quite chuckling at this. And um, yeah, who knew that? I don't think they know they're doing it. Um, but the temperaments are inborn. Does that sound like what we say with our astrology charts? And thus inherent to each individual, regardless of outflies influences such as parenting. Of course, they use it as part of their homosexual picking on and LGBT and, you know, defensive marriage and, you know, what, what's your personality type. So, good to know Kelly is counseling using astrology. I don't think she knows it. And I'm not going to tell her. But I did think it was mildly hysterical. All right. Then next up, Israel and Gaza. Um, somebody wrote me and asked me where I got the chart for Israel. And I got it from uh, World Nick Tampion's book on world astrology when I believe it was Ben Gurion pounded the desk and said the state of Israel exists. That's the timing for it. For the Iran chart I used, again, the World Horoscope book, which was tied to the, um, uh, tied to the overthrow, uh, the Shah of Iran, uh, that, re that rebellion. Now, remember, like the United States, there's, you know, when did we start, really? So there are, there are specific times that we can sometimes look at when something dissolved and fell apart. But the country will continue to have charts and we'll continue to work with it. So when we were looking, when I was looking a little earlier at, I'm um, gonna sneeze, hang on. Yeah, nope, yep. <coughs> we were looking, when I was looking earlier, cause I do this, <coughs> I do this a lot. When I was looking at the, um, the takeover of Russia, taking over the, um, uh, the section it took over eight years ago, which I'm blanking on, Crimea. There was a Crimean War, you know, an earlier planetary cycle. So when you look at the big cycles of astrology against locations, we do see that. So the charts, there are multiple charts, but that's where the origin of the charts are. It's always Nick Campion's book, unless since I bought it, some new country came into being. So at any rate, I was talking about this with one of my dear friends, Carol Mangan, who's a wonderful astrologer, lives in the Netherlands. And Carol said to me, I think I need to stop watching the news. I said, why? And she said, because I watch the news and I get up in the morning and I paint what's going on between uh, Israel and Palestinians. And this is her painting. And she said, I just, it comes out of me. I go to the studio and I paint this. Now I have a picture behind me on my wall there from Carol. And she does really, really beautiful work. So we were talking about it. And one of the things that, you know, I am a firm believer in prayer, as I asked at the beginning of the show to pray for me when I have my surgery on Thursday, 
clean, clear, and out safe. That's you know, everything, everything clean and clear, and hands awake and alive and you know ready to go. Like that's what we're praying for. But with this, we were talking about it. And I'm like, oh, it's such a powerful image, Carol. And, you know, she was really processing. You know what she was watching, and and I said, you know, the whole thing with artists is they do process for us. But we were talking about it, and at that point, it was in the news that they, the Palestinians didn't have any water. So she's like, so I thought about it, and I, I, I thought it needed water. And she put clear glasses of water on each corner. And I was like, wow, that's a really good idea. And I know that one of the things that we're all working on is how to work with the stuff in the world and how it feels like it's on fire. You know, I said last week it's a dumpster fire. And what do you do when there's a dumpster fire and you're not a fire person? And I said, that's a really good idea. I'm going to mention it to my listeners. Like, take images that particularly strike you and think about what the antidote is. And so in this case, it certainly looks like it's smoke and it's on fire and it needs water, right? And so she put clear water on each corner um, and do that. You know, just start working with intention. I know we're all praying for no loss of life and we're all worried about our beloved friends who have family members there. I have Palestinian clients, I have Israeli clients, I have family members who have people in both sections um, and are very worried, you know, and I have Ukrainians, you know, in the Ukrainian ward. One of my favorite students, Ala, is a Ukrainian and her dad's over there. Um, I mean, she lives here, but it, you know, but it, it's, what can you do? And I thought, oh, you know, what we can do, for those of you who do altar work or, or prayer work or whatever your, your version, some of you don't, I know, that's totally cool. But take images that, that speak to you, maybe the map, you know, maybe the map and put things on it to bring it gifts, to bring it healing, to bring it support. And that may be a way to do, to work energetically with some of this energy so that you can feel a little bit more, um, more like you're doing something to help as part of the community watching this and, and in our positions in our world, what we can do and how we can help. And uh, I think that's important. It gives you a little sense of efficacy and a little sense of you can do something. And even if it's just prayer or song or your art, in Carol's case, painting it. Um, but I thought it was a really interesting concept. And I said, can I borrow your painting and put it up for my listeners to uh, download or print if they want, or their own image, you know, maybe a map of Israel and, and Palestine, a map of Ukraine, um, so that we can, we can help here the way we can. And then case of Mike, <laughs> I'm going to look for some fire in a snake and put it on his picture. Because <laughs> a fire snake takes him out. Um, and on that note, we end the weekly weather uh, I don't want him to die. I just want him to go away. But actually, he may be a really good, he may be a really good example because when they go that far to the left or right, both cases, there's a correction. All right. You can sign up for Patreon, a couple of stars. I do this every day. And we wish you a wonderful week. And off you go into the new adventure. Take care. Bye. This conference is no longer being recorded.